Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number seven. After our usual segments of In the Kitchen and Movement Makeover, we will be discussing fertility. If you would like to submit a question, head on over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Everything's pretty chill over here. I have some news. Ooh, I want to hear. I'm pregnant. What? Oh, my God. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thanks. You're trying. Oh, my God. Yay. Only like two years later. But I wanted to to tell you for the first time on the podcast so everybody could hear your reaction. That's so awesome. How far along? Well, by the time the podcast releases, it'll be 16 weeks. Right now, I'm 13 weeks. So, Yay. Yeah. So... I wanted to kind of share that since we're talking about fertility today, so I wanted to put that in advance because I know that can be a tough, tough thing to hear for people that are struggling with fertility. I know it's something that was always hard for me to hear, so I just wanted to put that out there. There's hope for everyone, and I just wanted to share that, and so hopefully you can hear a little more about my journey as we go along. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. Yay. Thanks. Now you can talk about our In the Kitchen tip for this week. I know. Now this sounds all so boring from now on. All right. Podcast has, you know, climaxed here. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Still still good stuff to talk about. Um, so my tip for the In the Kitchen is prepping bone broth ahead of time. So bone broth, one, has a ton of health benefits, lots of like minerals, calcium in it, And the other thing it has is just flavor. So anytime you have a recipe that uses water, um, you can use bone broth in in place of it. So, you know, if you're cooking rice, if you're making a stir fry, if you're sauteing vegetables, you know, whatever it might be, um, having some bone broth ready to go is awesome for that. So I'll usually make a huge batch in my instant pot. You can use your crock pot. Sometimes I'll just have both going since I have both things, you know what I mean? And I just try and do it all at once and like fill up as many mason jars as I have. And then I just stick them in the deep freezer and then just try to pull one out, you know, if I'm meal prepping and I know I need it for that week and then just have it to go for that week. And it's just awesome. It really adds a nice flavor to things and you get the health benefits. So it's kind of a win-win situation and it's really easy because it's like once you have the bones and whatever you're using I like to use chicken feet (laughs) Um, you know it's like I keep them in my freezer and then you just throw them in throw some water over it whatever spices you want and like set it and forget it so um, there's good recipes you can find online if you want more details but yeah I do do yeah I have a recipe on my blog so I can post to that one Perfect. And I agree, having it in the freezer is clutch because you never know when you're looking in your fridge and you're like, oh, well, I have some carrots and there's some celery in there. Oh, I've got this stew meat that I should use up. Oh, hey, I have broth in my freezer. Let me just make soup for tonight. And then you have soup for a whole week. And it's mm-hmm. it really does make a difference on flavor by using that homemade broth. And why not make it so that if you're going to make broth, make it so that you add a couple of those cartilaginous bones so you get all those extra benefits. It's really, really beneficial. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. 
All right. So for our movement makeover this week, I am telling you all to take a walk. So I feel like it's really hard sometimes to set in regular exercise. But if you have a dog, maybe take the dog for a walk instead of just letting the dog outside or on your lunch break. If it's not pouring rain or snowing out, take a walk around the building, even walking around the halls. If you can't get outside the building, just get yourself moving, even if it's for just 10 minutes. That can really help rejuvenate you, get you, give you extra blood flow, and just really keep that, that heart rate up a little bit and get you used to moving on your day-to-day. I love that. I feel like I always feel so reju- rejuvenated after I take a walk. Um, just like b- being able to breathe fresh air. And I have a dog, but I didn't for a while. And um, I mean, we had a dog and then like, he passed away. And so then it was funny how much harder it was to like get myself outside to take a walk without like the excuse of taking a dog for a walk. And it's like, we can take ourselves for walks too. Like you don't have to have a dog or a baby or, you know, whatever to get outside. Like we deserve to get outside for ourselves. But obviously if you have those motivations, it does make it way easier. I have a confession. Yeah. Well, we got a dog, and one of the reasons I was okay with getting a dog was going for a walk every day, and I was religiously getting up at 6 a.m. to walk the dog every day. Then we got an electric fence, <laughs> and, I, and then I was pregnant and exhausted, and it got cold. Yeah. So I haven't been taking the dog for walks as much, but once it gets warmer out my energy comes back, it's going okay. to happen again. Well, my dog that we got, she um, is my limiter for walks because we get to a certain point and I never know what, what, you know, how far she's going to get. And then she just stops and refuses to go any further. And it's so annoying because like a few times I would take her for a jog and like I'd able to, I was able to, I have this like little like route that's like a mile and a half, I think that I go and like she went on it fine and now all of a sudden she's just like nope and so it's like I'll get like 800 meters in and she's like nope we're done (laughs) and like won't go and by 800 meters I actually mean it's the 400 meter turnaround point because we have our whole street mapped out because my husband does CrossFit and he needs to know these things so um yeah she'll get to this 400 meter point and just like stops like dead stops and like will not go any further and I'm like dude like I was so but then she'll like sprint back home so then I'm like all right we're sprinting (laughs) and I have like the stroller and her in one hand I'm like oh god like (laughs) but uh so at least we run back really fast and try to make up for it that way but sprints are good too yeah it's exhausting (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to move on to our topic for the week. We're going to talk about fertility and specifically infertility. So I wanted to give you guys some statistics just because I think it's important to know kind of how prevalent it is. I have this one statistic that says 6% of married women struggle with infertility, but I don't really care if you're married or not. If you're trying to have kids, you're trying to have kids. So it's... um, more standard is 12% of women aged 15 to 44 have difficulty getting pregnant or carrying a pregnancy to term. And in a, just so that you know, as I'm probably assuming we have more ladies listening to this podcast, but in about 35 to 40% of couples with infertility, there is a male factor identified along with a female factor. And in about 8%, it's only a male factor. So the guys definitely play a role too. of infertility cases have no known causes, and of all the infertility cases, about 30% is secondary infertility, and that's when you don't struggle to get pregnant with your first child, 
but that second you get struggle getting pregnant with your second child, which is what I dealt with. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about preconception planning and what some things that you can do to better your chances and just make it so that even if you do or don't have any issues with fertility, so that you can be in your best state and your best self before you try to carry a child into this world. Do you want to start us off? Yeah. So I feel like one of the best things you can do is just, I mean, it kind of just goes along with everything we've been talking about, optimizing your self-care, your nutrition, um, dealing with stress levels, things like that. It's like basically getting your body ready to create another human being. Um, I'm a, actually an instructor for like a feed your fertile body program, which I, I'll be honest, I haven't actually run any group classes for it just cause it hasn't been my main, um, subset of people I've been working with. But, um, in that I just learned a lot about preconception planning and I kind of feel like the big secret is that it's kind of the same thing as just getting healthy. <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, there's pretty much everything overlaps other than, you know, making sure you're on a good prenatal, um, which most women in that, in that age range should be probably on anyways. Um, so a lot of stress I think can come around the thought of having a baby and planning for a baby. And it's like, even just knowing that putting stress on this situation, we've talked about how that impacts our blood sugar. And when our blood sugar is impacted, that really impacts your hormone production and that's going to impact your fertility. So when you can, have optimal blood sugar levels, optimal sugar handling, optimal nutrition, then a lot of times fertility can become easier. That's obviously not the only solution for everybody. There's can be a lot more involved, but if you aren't already eating healthy and don't feel like you have stress levels managed, it's like start there. It's, I don't know, to me, I always like to start with a low hanging fruit before jumping into bigger issues. I don't know how, what your take is on that, Beth. I think that's perfect. I would agree that just being in your best self when you decide to start trying to have kids. Now, that's not always a decision that we make that far ahead of time. I know with my first, we decided about a month before. We were like, you know what? We are ready for this, and we're just going to do this. This is before I got into the field of nutrition. And then this time, I started prepping for it pretty much when my daughter was four months old. Now, I didn't know if I was having more kids at that point, but I started cleaning up my diet and getting everything settled. And then we decided, and I said, oh, no, it didn't take very long the first time. It shouldn't take too very long this time. And then it did. But during that whole process, I was continuing to, you know, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, eat intuitively and listen to my body and play around. If I ate something and I didn't feel good, I took that out of my diet. Or maybe I needed something more in my diet. I needed to change how much protein I was eating at breakfast or how many carbs I ate. And I really think the biggest piece of it was that that stress piece for me. So we talked a lot about blood sugar regulation and stress and how Andrea just mentioned how they're kind of directly related to fertility. So if your life is really stressful and or if you have blood sugar regulation issues, it really puts a damper damper on your fertility 
mechanisms. And that's not something that shows up necessarily in testing. So that's kind of, in my opinion, some of the, if we had really good testing for that, and if we could show a direct correlation, that 20% of no known causes, I I'm just making stuff up here, but maybe half of that is blood sugar dysregulation and there's not enough nutrients actually heading to the endocrine glands that are needed for fertility. And again, it's not just the the woman that needs to take care of that. It's the spouse as well, the partner. So whatever your path is, whether you're conceiving naturally or you're using support or you're doing IVF, it never hurts to take care of your health and to get into a place that you're comfortable with. So, you know, I think Andrea mentioned a prenatal. I think we'll link to a couple. One of the things that I am pretty passionate about is getting one that has a methylated folate or at least a folate versus a folic acid in it, just because a lot of people don't, don't process folic acid well. And you're taking that prenatal for a long time. You're taking that prenatal for when you start thinking about planning, or maybe if you're just of childbearing age, up through getting pregnant, being pregnant, if you decide to breastfeed, breastfeeding, and then if you have more. So I know that they can get expensive, but having a really high quality prenatal can, it's not going to make up for crappy nutrition, but it can really make the difference of giving your body a little extra support, making your nails a little extra strong, making your hair a little extra shiny, really giving you some of that nice support through your preconception to conception and and on through pregnancy as well. I completely agree with that. Absolutely. Um, That's like the biggest thing. If someone shows me like their prenatal or like, is this one okay? It's like the number one thing I look for. And I look for it at at that in any multivitamin is like, that's my like number one thing of like, if I'm going to judge if this one's a good one or not, um, or an optimal one, because you you covered it. It's just so important to have that methylated folate. And I will Um, be honest, most over the counter, drugstore prenatals, one-a-days, those kinds of things are folic acid. And I'll admit, I took a folic acid supplement for two years with my first. And did that make an impact of, of my fertility the second time? I don't know. I can't prove that. But I know that it took a while for me to process B vitamins overall better. And that made a big difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are taking one, if you're like, oh my gosh, I am taking one, don't freak out. (laughs) You know, nothing like that. It's just like, all right, just, um, you know, consider switching because it really, the research has shown that it is better and that, um, folic acid just, it's not as absorbed as well. So you're not getting the benefits, um, as much. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on at that stress point, just because some people really, I feel like resonate it better when you know, again, I don't like to go too much into like physiology, but there's something called the pregnenolone steel, where basically cholesterol is converted into pregnenolone, which is this precursor to DHA, which is the precursor to all your kind of female sex hormones. And pregnenolone can either be converted to DHA or to uh, progesterone, which is then converted into cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So if your body is, if you're kind of like constantly exposing yourself to stressors, which we talked about in the last episodes could be just, you know, chronic 
to, you know, high carbohydrate diet or just chronic stress from your lifestyle, then it, you are literally stealing that pregnenolone and converting it into cortisol instead of having it convert into the sex hormones, which is going to really impact fertility. I think that was really helpful. And we're going to talk more about exercise in general next week. But I did want to mention, while I think it's really important to have a great exercise routine and find something that you love to do and enjoy it and get that healthy exercise in a couple days a week, be mindful if you're trying to conceive how how much stress it is putting on your body. Now, you may love it and you may get that nice adrenaline runner's high from whatever you're doing, but if your body is sore afterwards, if you're wiped out afterwards, or you just maybe you go for that run and halfway through you just you're not sure you're going to make it, but you push through and try to make it anyway. Be mindful of that. I heard on another podcast, it was said, if you're trying to conceive, just stop exercising. And part of me, I didn't really believe it. I did a lot of up and down. I was like, tried eating everything I wanted so that, and by everything I wanted, it was mostly like cupcakes in the break room to, <laughs> and I gained 20 pounds to dieting. And then I lost 20 pounds. I mean, it was terrible. All the things that I went through trying to like, fix what was wrong with me, but realizing that, no, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, I'm not meant to be pregnant at this moment. And I am grateful that I wasn't at that time, you know, with the transitions of my daughter and things like other daughter and things like that. So I, I, but I will tell you, and I, you may remember early on the podcast, I noted that I hadn't exercised in three months, literally the month that I stopped exercising was the month that we got pregnant. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's also the month that I quit my job. Oh, well, okay. So, yeah. so there, there you go. I mean, but it was a big month for me of decreasing stress. Mm-hmm. So I went on vacation, a girls weekend. It was just, it was a whole month of self-care. And self-care in that sense meant just resting and relaxing and doing things that I wanted to do and not doing things that were causing me any stress. And I just this week, last week, got back into, I uh, decided to do yoga throughout this pregnancy and it feels great and I love it and I'm going to go with it. I might add some more strength training in as my energy comes back, but don't, don't overdo it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Do you have any foods that you would encourage or recommend for supporting preconception? I think lots of healthy fats, omega-3, omega-3s especially, but I mean, in general, fats are so important for hormone balance and the good healthy ones like your avocados, nuts, coconut oil, um, fats from like good pastured animals, and that's great because they have the protein source too, of course, um, are really, really beneficial for hormone balance. So that would honestly be my emphasis. And then, of course, you know, you can't go wrong with green leafy vegetables. <laughs> How about you? Do you have like specific ones that you go to? You know, I would agree with that. <laughs> my usual go-to was like egg yolks, but then I didn't tolerate <laughs> eggs. So that kind of got out of the picture. But yeah, I just, I would agree with the healthy fats because that really helps with that blood sugar regulation. 
And as going through that first trimester when really your baby is thriving on glucose, so you're going to be eating more mm-hmm. glucose-related product, you know, that's your, it's what your body's going to need. It's what you're going to tolerate. Protein, most people in early pregnancy don't tolerate protein very well. We're not producing as much HCL in our stomachs to digest it, and our bile's not working as much. So really loading up on that healthy fats and healthy proteins ahead of time and I also would say you can't go too low carb either you really need to find your perfect balance and it's going to change as your body changes so I would agree get some really good healthy fats in there find some sources of protein that you really enjoy try getting the ones you know, if you can splurge on getting some grass-fed beef or pasture-raised chicken or pastured pork, things like that, ones that per bite are going to give you more nutrient density, that's really what you're going for. If you like things like liver, I mean, I, I'll admit I I really enjoy liver pate, so <laughs> maybe not so much first trimester of pregnancy have I been able to eat it, but... I ate it quite a bit. Maybe, you know, once I'd get a pack once a week or once every other week and I'd work my my way through it. And that has just so many nutritious vitamins and minerals in there. And if you are vegetarian, I think that there's a lot of sources. I would recommend taking a fish oil supplement if you're vegetarian, if you're willing to do that kind of thing. But at least including eggs and whole fat dairy in your diet is going to help you with that. Yeah, absolutely. And then concentrating on, you know, really chewing it well and being relaxed when you're eating it, all of that is just going to help. Like really, I think focusing on listening to your body, like you said, is so important because you're right, your needs will change. So it's like almost like focus less on like, oh my God, am I getting the exact ratio as I need and focus more on, am I feeling good? Are my energy levels good? And if so, then you're probably doing the right thing. Um, If those things aren't right, then it's like, that's when you, okay, switch around your macros a little bit. Do you need more fats? Do you need more carbs? Whatever it might be. So, Perfect. Uh, The last thing that I want to touch on for this topic is when to seek fertility support. And I think that you can seek fertility support at any time in that that kind of preconception planning phase. Yes, a reproductive endocrinologist probably won't see you until you've, you know, if you're under 35, until you've been trying for a year unsuccessfully. If you're over 35, it's six months. But having an appointment, for me, my first appointment with a fertility specialist was phenomenal. I was like, you know what? It is in someone else's hands. And his thing was, there's always a chance. There's a five to 6% chance after that first year that you will get pregnant naturally. And so just keep trying. When you're ready to to take the next step to try something else, these are what your options are. I saw a functional medicine doctor for that and kind of a variety of other things just to get myself why not be as healthy as possible? If I get pregnant, great. If I don't, well, I'm not worse for wear if I'm healthier. So it really was a win-win situation all around. But seeing that specialist and talking to them about fertility really helped alleviate the fears that I felt, the shame that I felt, and all of those, like the added stress of being pregnant. Um, on my last day with him when he was kind of 
shipping me off to the next step. It was, he was like, I know you, we didn't do much for you. And I turned around. And I said, no, you guys did so much for me. You took the stress off. I knew that if I really wanted a baby, you guys would make it happen because I had faith in them. You know, we might be paying an arm and a leg, but it would eventually happen if we wanted it to. So that was pretty, it relieved a lot of stress. So I just recommend whatever kind of support, whether it's nutrition support or fitness support or fertility support, don't be afraid to seek it out. And I promise you, if you talk to coworkers, friends, family members, you will find hundreds of people that have had difficulties with miscarriages or fertility or have needed support in in any of those areas and they'll have recommendations for you. So it's not a shameful thing even though it come it feels that way and it's something that there's a lot of support out there if you want it. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. There's so much support if you're searching for it and just make sure whoever the support person is is somebody that you trust and it's like a safe space to talk to um, about that for sure. And I think that's such a good point about it always being the right time to seek support, even if you've never even tried and you don't even know if you're, you know what I mean? You might be very successful your first time, but you have no idea because you haven't tried yet. Like just that planning process, just know, like getting some, you know, just a second opinion on, okay, am I healthy? Is my body functioning properly? Like what can I do to optimize things? It's always helpful. I've actually run a few people through, like kind of like a personal feed your, body, feed your fertile body program. Um, and none of them, as far as I know, have actually even tried to get pregnant yet. They're just all women who know that it's something that is in their future. So they just wanted to kind of start planning now. So we just looked through, you know, what can they optimize? What can they do? And that way they're just working on those things until the time comes. And I mean, like we both said now, it's all about just optimizing your own health. So you just can't go wrong. None of it is like a waste of time or anything like that. It's all about making yourself feel better. So no matter what the outcome or if you decide you don't even want to try and get pregnant, like you're just going to come out healthier. So why not? (laughs) And I want to share one other thing that my fertility specialist told me. He was describing what has to happen, all the things that have to fall into place for pregnancy to actually occur. And he's drawing out a diagram of, you know, uterus and ovaries and the sperm coming in and everything and the fallopian tubes. And he says, I don't know how anyone gets pregnant. (laughs) I mean, this, the egg is literally floating in your abdomen and has to be scooped up by the fallopian tubes for then the sperm to chance beat it before that time window is up and that to me was astounding because I was like oh yeah I'm young I'm healthy this should be easy but it's just it's not it's it's such a chance event even if you time it perfectly every month for 11 months you know Mm -hmm. you still should give it that year and not stress about it and it's really hard not to stress about it because usually when you decide you're ready for a kid you're Mm -hmm. ready for a kid but it really is a a miracle occurrence oh my gosh absolutely you know what I think is like the most well not the most stressful part by any means but like what I think is so frustrating about it all is like 
you have no idea how long it's going to take. Because when my husband and I were like, I was like, I know I want a kid. I'm not really sure if I'm ready. I had so many women around me that tried for years. Like a lot of, I had a lot of women with fertility issues around me. So I was like, we may as well start trying. And we like literally are that like jerk couple that got pregnant a month later, you know? And then I did have a miscarriage, but then I got pregnant again, like six weeks after my miscarriage, not even like I got pregnant like the next cycle. I don't know exactly when, cause I never got my period in between, but like, I was like, holy crap, like, I actually wasn't ready. I thought I had, like, a year to plan for it, you know? And so same thing now when we're, like, talking about do we want a second? Like, I'm like, man, like, I wish I knew. It's like, is it going to take two years or is it going to take a month again? Like, how do you even plan for that? Like, you can't. (laughs) So I don't know. It's just a sign of that's, like, what's going through my head right now because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what if I do have, you know, the secondary infertility Obviously, I won't know until I try, but then if we try now and I get pregnant, oh my God, like I'm not ready for that yet. So it's it's really hard. I definitely was a big planner and it didn't take long with our first, so I didn't expect it to take long with our second. And then when it did, that was a shock to my system and and not and just it was stressful. And you know, I gotta be honest pregnancy sex trying to get pregnant sex is great that first month and then after that it's like all right it's time let's go tick tock tick tock and it's tough it's hard it is not romantic anymore but it really makes a difference to communicate with your partner and yes i'm not gonna tell you guys to go try to have babies because you have no idea if you're gonna be fertile or not but be ready when you're be ready to be pregnant in a month, but also be willing to wait because it can take time. So Mm -hmm. I just, it's hard. I was under the impression that I was going to get my whole career underway before trying to have kids. And I had three or four people again around me that had been trying for years. And I said, this isn't worth it. Let Mm -hmm. me start trying because then if it takes years, like I'm ready now, but if it takes years, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, can I make a note about pregnancy sex or trying to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I think I, I exaggerated. I said it took us a month the first time because it, it, I can't remember exactly how many times. I feel like it was like at the beginning of the year. So it was like probably January when we were like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, we stopped kind of using protection and whatnot. I hope my husband doesn't mind me sharing this all. <laughs> I don't think he really cares. But um, we did not track anything like I had my period tracker for like my own like oh so I know when it's coming and like literally that was it um and I feel like at first when you're just kind of starting to try I don't know I mean I'm biased but I feel like that's kind of the way to go because I think when you're tracking ovulation you're trying to like track all of that at first it can just add a lot more stress and obviously if it's getting to the point where you know it's been a few months and you're kind of like all right like I want to get more in control of things. Yeah, go for it. Or if that gives you like less stress to track, then do that. But I think I know just I just do know some couples who track so much that it really like that in itself. I mean, it just has a lot of stress on the body and it can affect things. So to make it as fun and playful as you can, if you are tracking and just knowing that you don't need to track to get pregnant. Especially if you're just like first starting to try. Like 
it can happen without tracking or without any of that. Um, and it might not, who knows again, everyone's different, but it's possible. So. Yeah. All of my doctors along the way have always said, just have intercourse two to three times a week and Mm -hmm. don't, don't take your temperature. Don't track. Now I know, I know people that have really irregular cycles, so that's Mm -hmm. really hard for them and they want to kind of figure that out. But I feel like part of me is like, I was spot on every 26 days. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, I should be able to time this right because I have the exact same cycle every month for the past, um, how old am I? I'm past 20 years, more or less, like minus 11 months when I was pregnant and two months after until it started again. So, I mean, I would agree with that. Just try to enjoy it as much as possible for as long as you can. And then when you need support, go get it. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up this week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we'll be talking about exercise. Follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feats of Real Eats and Andrea at Life, Liberty, Health on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. We had a poop explosion. Oh, those are the best. God, it was everywhere. Yeah, that's typical. Of those. <laughs>